Hi, I'm Kenzie McKinnon, and this is Voices of STEM, a podcast where we speak with STEM students in the Maritimes. In each episode, we speak with a student about their involvement and experiences in their respective field. We get an inside look to their journey, including the lessons they have learned, how they got to where they are today, and what their goals are for the future. We hope you enjoy hearing about the story as much as we do. Uh, today, our guest is uh, David Kerr. Um, yeah, and uh, hi, David. Thank you for coming on. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here, Kenzie. Hi, David. So would you mind just kind of taking us a little bit through what your kind of your background and at least post-secondary kind of speaking and kind of give people a bit of an intro to yourself and, you know, what you're doing now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so post-secondary wise, I came from Toronto to do my undergrad at Dow in neuroscience, kind of following that, you know, age old dream of do a science degree, go to medicine and become a surgeon and live life that way. So in all that, I really, I went through, I did some research and realized that I don't want to write the MCAT and I don't want to study in a basement for all my days. That being said, totally for anybody if that's what they're passionate about. But that led me to join the surge program at Dow. And I like to call that really, it's where you blend science and business. And you really get to taste of what kind of commercialization looks like because you have to go through a full year project and really do you know customer discovery, get out there, talk to people, have a product find an issue and um, come up with a solution. And so in doing all that, it led me to work in the startup ecosystem here in Halifax for a digital mental health company called Tranquility. And I did that for about a year. And then I went on to where I am right now as an account manager at a tech company called Guild. And here it's more association management, but it's still in the whole startup ecosystem. And really and truly, I just kind of love working in startups. They're smaller teams and a lot more, less stuffy, if I'm being totally honest. Um, and I also do consulting on the side for um, small health tech startups, because my goal is to launch my own consulting business for that. Okay, yeah, it's really cool. That was like a great kind of overview. And I guess we'll just kind of, I'll kind of rewind and just kind of ask a little more specific questions of each of the things. And so um, I think going back at least, I mean, funny enough, I'm actually studying for the MCAT myself. So I definitely, I, I definitely understand, you know, the defeating you know, feeling, of like, you know, doing it, a, especially it's always, you know, you're also doing, you're all, you're always doing, I don't know many people who have only written it once. It's usually like you're doing it more than once, and it's just like a whole chunk of your time that you're, you know, it's a lot of self-driven stuff, and it's 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 fairly exhausting. So, I totally understand why, you know, a lot of people, it's like, it's what you're told, or like, you know, the good career paths and things to do, and like, I definitely, it's totally, it's not like it shouldn't be like a defeating feeling to like go to university and like, actually, once you start to form your own thoughts about things and your own feelings about what people <laughs> kind of tell you are like the like you know signs of success and stuff like that you know, whether or not, um, you know, that's the thing you want to do. And like, quite frankly, like I've, I've stayed on that kind of like the normal straight path, but like I've, t- it, you, even if you're like thinking that's like a sure, you should really explore your options. I think for sure. Like, even if it, like I've questioned it, like quite a, 
not even like in the sense of like a despair question, just like a healthy amount of like saying, am I sure this is still what I want to do? And then, you know, you get the quenchy yes or no. And so it's not really like a, it's not, it's not like a bad thing to figure that out. You're like, this is not what I want to do. I think for sure. Cause a lot of people, you know, you just get told to go to, like I have a lot of friends that kind of do a lot of soul searching, especially when they get to university about, you know, what they want to do. And so, yeah, I think that's a big thing just as a, a general advice thing that I found to be the case, especially with like a lot of like my friends and stuff like that. Um, going on from that, um, you said, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about surge for a second, just quickly, because I, I, I think our, our pre, a previous episode we had, um, uh, Anna had mentioned it in brief um, when she was interviewing um, uh, one of our, another person, um, Morgan. And so, but we they didn't really go into surge that much. And so when it comes to surge, I believe like, this is probably I had probably have no more about surge that like the average listener would know in terms of it. So, from my understanding, surge is a kind of a sandboxing thing, a, a sandbox with regards to like you know doing startups. And so, kind of what what does like like how much like the time commitment to it like in with your experience with it at least like how much did you do like and kind of like what were those commitments that you did and like the projects that you worked on I guess like within surge. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so yeah, why don't I back up a bit? So I did do surge. My the large thing for me was I did this certificate in neurotechnology innovation, which yeah. part of that, the biggest thing was the fourth year kind of capstone class where you do that year-long project. Yeah. And you know, yeah, it's funny you mentioned the time commitment because we get paired off into our teams at the very start of the year, and then we spend a few weeks, you know, figuring out what the problem is we want to solve and then we're it's kind of like all right you're off and now you get out there and you know the class was a once a week three hour class but we put in a lot of work outside of class like doing interviewing people doing almost market research i want to call it prepping presentations doing readings and then there were the weeks where we'd go up and present and it's like no no no, you got it all wrong um you missed the mark on this and you're like oh man and you gotta flip and revamp everything so in terms of like time and commitment it definitely takes a lot of your time but honestly i loved it and i found it really exciting and i'm a huge people person so i love being able to go out there and talk to people you know it wasn't theoretical it was practical and it was a huge switch from everything i've done in neuroscience which is highly theoretical a lot of you know, let's do like protocol, like a lab protocol, like, yeah, exactly. Right. Like, and it wasn't, this was so much bigger and better than a lab because we were out there, we were doing something. It wasn't all scheduled and regimented for us. We kind of had to figure it out on our own. And when you fumbled, man, did you ever fumble? And I think that's like, a, I mean, like a big thing that you, the, the, the thing I want to focus on what you said is like practical. And I think like a big thing that I, we talked about, we had a previous conversation talking about translatability about things. And, you know, those practical skills. And so it's not that like, like, let's say you go through the class and you're like, oh, no, but I still really want to just do medicine or maybe I want to really do grad school. Grad school and medicine, they require you to be thinking practically, like you're in the real world interacting with like constraints, whether it be, you know, say you have only a certain amount of you know, funding or whether it be for a grant if you're doing research or you're working at a hospital and you know, whatever those constraints might be. Um, something like a class like that will kind of, you know, give you an idea of what those like yeah like those practical skills absolutely translate even if you decide like you know i did this whole year of something um for surge and um and decide like oh this isn't for me or whatever and so like 
even like no matter what, it's still useful. I think, especially to gain those skills that you're not taught otherwise. It's just like you know, it, it's not necessarily like, oh, I didn't decide to do cor- like you know, do corporate or or a startup or anything like that. Like, oh no, I wasted this all this time. It's not a waste of time either way. That's no, like, I, I, I completely agree. It's like I, I genuinely believe like <laughs> we need more practical courses and post-secondary education because like you don't get that that hands-on like like you're saying like <laughs> you don't bootstrap things you don't work within real constraints you don't work within other people's schedules right very seldom do you but i think it's hugely beneficial that that course is really open to anybody because it should be like that and you should you really like you're saying whether you do medicine graduate school or just go straight into the corporate world or just get a nine to five doing whatever having a lot of those like those soft skills that you learn through that course is huge because you know you're not just at the end of the day you're not just your transcript you still have to have interactions with people and i find people value those um soft skills a lot and you know <laughs> a dedicated work ethic a lot more than they may value a transcript at the end of the day well yeah that, that's like- my two cents well, yeah, I mean, just like even the thing you were talking about, like how you liked being able to interact with people like Jesus, like bedside manners in terms of, you know, medicine, that's like a huge thing. And it's like, you know, even if you're in graduate, you can be a little more isolated, say, like, you know, if you're doing research in a lab. But a lot of times, especially for research, for you know, neuro or something like that, you do have to interact with real people a lot of the time, especially when you're doing like, you know, human based studies with scans, stuff like that. So there's always like, yeah, like the so those soft skills absolutely translate for sure. Um, going on from that. Um, I think so after surge did you did you do honors I can't remember what you said you were talking about yeah so I should I get stay on the timeline as we go kind of go through things with like breaking well, it down. to be fair my timeline's a bit messy so oh, um yes. I did my honors before I did surge okay um, so that was kind of how that happened um okay it was doing research like doing my honors made me realize you know, I don't want to sit in a room without windows for nine to five for the rest of my life. And then that's how I got, I was, I reached out to the coordinator. I'm like, is the program still going? And he's like, absolutely. And that's how I ended up in the surge thing. And it was funny because this was, surge was, for me, was, you know, last March when everything was shutting down. Um, I was lucky enough to, surge was what allowed me to pivot directly from school into like, I want to say the real world you know like the startup scene a, kind of that you were exactly on. yeah and like that's like literally in march it was hey you know we'd love for you to come work with us we've got some funding for you would you be are you, would you be interested and i was like absolutely and i think i spent one day in the actual office before everything shut down and for like almost a year i was remote so i'd never seen more than like you know the top half of my team's torso for the longest time um yeah no, i definitely yeah. relate my like the first one like my lab, one of the volunteer lab positions i was like this it was the second day of my training at the at the wk at the meg lab there and that was the last time in yeah. there they haven't taken volunteers since i definitely feel that like yeah it's like it's one thing like kind of going from like you know and it's like you know what it's like to be in person and then like an established thing that you're doing but it's a whole other thing to like kind of go cold turkey into something where it's like all remote and just in terms of like actually being able to see like the feasible stuff like honestly like 
for me sometimes like just walking like if i'm going for a walk like walking out of campus to, like remind myself like i'm actually part of like a university i'm not just looking at a screen every day just doing like mindless useless work it's like <laughs> now like there's actually something like accredited to what like the work i'm doing like <laughs> oh man no that's fair and you know what um it's a real testament to my team at the time at tranquility that i didn't feel disconnected to them because they were so like focused on making everyone feel connected even though we were like distant and it was just yeah it was a, it was a wild year in terms of like you know we i worked on um foreign export grants and i took my science knowledge and one of my one of our co-founders said this nicely you speak both languages because when we could go in and work and having to translate the business side to someone who's more science focused and also doing it vice versa that was really the benefit of i think to me that was the biggest benefit of search is it gave me that experience in translating something scientific into something understandable by everybody and, and i think like yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, that's one of the big, like, I'm actually doing the neurotech certificate in my, like, my year coming up now. And I think that's one of the biggest appeals for me was to do that, is to be that kind of, you know, because it also, neurotech, you end up picking up some coding classes, like, some, like, you have some mandatory computer science classes. But, yeah, like, being able to, like, speak the language of people, because, like, whatever lab you're at, like, especially, like, I mean, some of the labs I've applied for, they'd have, like, even though it's a neuroscience or a psychiatric lab, they have a whole wing of, like, computer science masters. So, like, being able to actually kind of be that kind of switchblade versatile person, like, uh, sorry, not like Swiss Army knife person. Switchblade's one one blade and uses in terms of being, yeah. Um, yeah, being able to actually like, whether it be, and like you'll get that experience on like the business side, kind of doing like the innovation stuff kind of class. You can obviously take it further and do something like Surge. But um, yeah, you can kind of speak the, yeah, like the language of whether it be like the literal language of Python or something like that with the people <laughs> on the comm side side or like, you know, the neural lingo with the people over on, yeah, or, and, or the like the corporate lingo. I mean, I haven't picked up the corporate lingo yet, but, you know, we're you know, the working on it. That's the easiest one to pick up. Like, that, one, that one's the easiest one, in my opinion. Um, but no, you're, you're totally right. And I honestly, a lot of being in business development in like a health tech-related company, I found it was great being able to be that Swiss Army knife like you're talking about. Because I could literally work on the science of, um, you know, the cognitive behavioral aspects of tranquility, and then also tell it to a vendor saying, "Listen, this is going to give people, you know, those skills they really need. This is, this is going to help and making it click on both sides." So I think that was the most enjoyable part of my job. So when someone was like, "I get it," I'm like, "Yes." And if I'm like right in characterizing, like tranquility is. A digital mental health like a uh, kind of service for like um anxiety and depression is that what you i think we talked about previously just kind of brief like an overview of like what specifically tranquility's kind of goal is with like the company yeah totally so tranquility is real is um it's digital cognitive behavioral therapy for mild to moderate anxiety and depression um and what it does is there is you can do it yourself in the self-help version or you can do it on the coach assisted version where our coaches are really designed to help keep you accountable keep you walk through the program Really, it's meant to, at the end of the day, you complete all the modules. The goal is for you to say, okay, goodbye. I don't need you anymore. Because you've learned how to do that, the CBT thing, where it's your thoughts affect your behaviors, which affect your actions, and really changing that cycle. So, yeah. yeah I mean, like, it's about, you know, like, yeah, definitely, like, it's, um, 
kind of changing those kind of cognitive structures about, you know, being, being able to challenge your own and those like circumstances, being able to kind of step back and be kind of introspective. I definitely think that's one like the, when I think of like CBT, I mean, like, I mean, I'm a little bit rusty and I have normal psych to be honest, I'm being, but um, from my understanding, that's kind of, you know, that ability to be a little more introspective and kind of say like, you know, is this thought pattern good? Like, this is like, you know, a helpful thought pattern to have. Um, you know, in a nutshell, you're absolutely right. It's being able to isolate those thoughts that are causing more harm than good and acknowledge it and splitting them apart and separating the components to really, you know, neutralize it. Yeah. And I think like, and I mean, that was kind of, I guess that was kind of good for you guys in terms of, you know, while it, might, it must have been a lot to kind of start off at the place, like only I've seen people like, you know, their torsos and above at least you knew that like the company you're kind of starting at, like the current problem that's going to be emerging is exactly what we're <laughs> working on in terms of, you know, remote, like, yeah, it was, uh, I'll say it for you. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, was, I'm trying to like, it was, yeah, no, I know it, it, it's funny that it's come up a lot in a lot of conversations. It was great timing, but unfortunate circumstances, um, that the world realized the benefit of, of digital, mental health solutions but in the end you know it's done some good like it's done some genuine good i mean just like it's it's not i mean like yeah people could definitely frame it in like an opportunistic sense but i think the best way to put it is kind of like you know that you were already working i just been you know rising to the occasion of being in the right place i mean that's how like any you know i think one of the big things is always like when it comes to say entrepreneurship or something like that it's not just you know having the right idea it's about the right timing timing's everything and stuff like that and so I mean, it's it's just the way the world was going at the time, and and I, uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It, timing always ends up being a factor. It's not just like you know, just for you know the sake of mental health, but um. Yeah, you need a bit of luck when yeah. you're doing a business. And, yeah. And timing really is everything, um, and it's really I find it's really just how you make what the what you do with the timing, right? Because I know when I with Tranquility, one of the things we did was we did a pilot where we offered. Our service is free to all of the collaborative health clinics in Nova Scotia over the winter months really cool. um, to try to just, you know, give people some added support because, you know, Nova Scotia had a really rough 2020. Like the yeah. world was bad, but <clears throat> everything that happened in Nova Scotia, it was just like my heart went out. I mean, like it. I'm from like I'm from Colchester. And like so I knew people, especially there with regards to what happened in uh, Port of Pic and all that stuff. Like I knew people that, yeah, they were like family victims of that so that was a big thing especially like right in the middle of the pandemic like i remember like i was in an airbnb because we were kicked out of residence so it was already just it's like this place from where i mean like i mean like, obviously like an, an immense amount of you know privilege to be able to actually afford to live in an airbnb besides the point but like res had given us enough money from being displaced to live there and so i mean like yeah not I'm trying to think of there it was already like the world was already kind of weird at that point and then, like, for that, I remember that happened, like, just before, like, I had an exam, and I was like, Jesus Christ, like, luckily, like, yeah, yeah I definitely know what you mean, like, it, especially, I mean, I think, you know, while we, it's been really nice to see the kind of, you know, positive effects that, like, our, our public health measures have had, I definitely think, you know, I mean, mental health has been a problem before the pandemic in Nova Scotia, in terms of having access to, you know, proper, like, resources, and I think, especially when, reaching out to remote communities and stuff like that and having someone who like, you know, Oh geez, well, 
not gonna like, single out like one region like the like one region of like the, the province or another for being like more isolated than the other but like you know having people you know if you can get you know internet access and stuff like that having programs like that can you know get people maybe a therapist might not want to move there or something like that or you know and that could oh, very yeah. well be good for mild cases and stuff like that you know to take a load off of the one therapist and like you know say like i don't know i think it's one it's not like there's only, there's not many psychiatrists like up in like say something like cape breton you know it's like taking like the load off them yeah. and you know dealing with like the severe cases and stuff like that so i definitely think there's an absolute need whether or not there's a pandemic for sure but definitely that's it but no, um, and, and honestly you can't you hit the nail on the head with like you touched on why tranquility was founded without even really realizing it because the goal of it was to is to reduce the burden on the healthcare system by helping take care of like the 70% that is mild to moderate so that the practitioners we have can focus on those severe cases, right? And you, you're totally right. It's not just a Nova Scotia thing. It, <clears throat> it's a Canada-wide thing. I'm from Ontario. It, it took me a day and a half to drive out of my own province. Like it is massive. And the amount of small communities that I just didn't know existed that we passed. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah, something, services like this, we need like, the pandemic accelerated the push for healthcare to go digital. And I think it's something that needs to continue because it just allows, you know, better access and more equitable access. Yeah. I think that was, I was trying to like nail the, yeah, I was, should have, yeah. Equitable was the word I was kind of looking for in terms of access to, you know, people where they live for sure. Yeah. And then I, you mentioned, um, I don't know if you mentioned when you're going through the timeline here, but you mentioned another company you were at for a bit named Guilds correct no, that's why i'm currently at as you're currently at guild um, okay okay yeah um um before just giving a brief over i gave you one mind giving a brief kind of did you mention guild when we're going through the timeline i don't know maybe maybe did maybe didn't maybe i just forgot but either way it's a brief idea of you know what's about oh absolutely and you know my like i said my timeline is totally messy i sometimes need to draw myself a map to remember my own history um no so I work for Guild, um, and they're what they do is association management. They're another startup company, but this is just this is a software as a service company. Um, it's a little bit different than Tranquility because Tranquility had more human um, aspects to it. And at Guild, I, I'm an account manager, and I <laughs> I like to liken to the kind of the same thing that whole utility the um, Swiss Army knife analogy, because my job is I go between the clients and the internal teams, which involves like our dev team you know our the creative team that will design website the websites for them if they need it and translating their like the clients needs to make sure that it's properly displayed and being their go-to point person for all their needs so the reason i i jumped to them is because they are a they're a startup but they're also a high potential startup and they want to go global in their association software. And to me, that's what really excites me about startups is like that potential to grow. And you just kind of, you have that closeness and you really bootstrap everything that you need. And I don't know, I <laughs> I got a taste of working like that. And I don't think I ever really want to go into a large corporate job where I clock in and out. So. Yeah, I mean, like I even like, some of the apps that like I've been using for whether it be like productivity or stuff like that, some of like the really small kind of Silicon Valley kind of startups. Like I see like like um 
I, I use for like a lot of my notes, like uh, Notion is a really big kind of task management software that I use. And like, just like seeing like the environment of like these really small startups, like, you know, like no one wears shoes in the office and like people can bring their dogs. And it's almost like that's, you know, I think that's definitely where I think people, it, I think it's definitely like, the whole idea of like kind of a home base, I think there's definitely been like a bit of a kind of, you know, like the, you know, when you come home at the end of the day from work or something like that, it's like people are kind of experiencing that less just because like people are kind of renting or being in small places. Like you don't have like this big home to sprawl out and relax your home. So I think people like, I definitely think there's like a, this is like me just like making kind of a broad statement, but like a more of an urge to like to have your workplace feel more homey. And I think especially with the way remote working will go where people are actually literally working from home, when they go back into the office, no one's going to want to be like, God, like this tight freaking like suit. I'm just like, you know, like dying of, you know, like heat. But, you know, like, you know, this is formal. I think there's obviously going to be instances where, you know, formal stuff like that is necessary. But I think you'll definitely see, I'd say probably a generation of people as the, like, as the people who were a part of, you know, they just started to do work and, you know, whether they could be students now or whatever, kind of like having that remote, that ability to be comfortable in like the environment, being able to like think and stuff like that while being like comfortable, not thinking about like, you know, trying like not like the whole kind of being feeling like the cog or like the corporate. I think you'll definitely see like a big thing of, you know, someone doesn't have to rent an office space to start like a company. Like it's like about like you have to, everyone has to be there. You know, you can like start something from, you know, your respective living spaces and things like that. I, mean, I guess I'm just trying to like I was I'm kind of jumbling around that, but you kind of get what I'm kind of saying. You know, and like I, I really do. And, and yeah, no, I completely agree with you because, um, and like yes, it's I, I want to put it this way. I've seen my boss of tranquility and my current boss at Guild in t-shirts and casual wear more than I've seen them in formal wear. And to me, the, the really the biggest thing about the start like startups and like working remote or even hybrid working situations is you're more human you know you, yeah. you're a person and like it's you know it's corny but like you actually know your team and you you talk to them and you know you're, you're close and you can actually lean on you for lean on them for support and things like that like to, to for, for honestly for example today i i told my my boss at guild that i got into the mba program at dow and his words were Oh my God, that's amazing. How do we make this work for you so that you can continue to do, do you want to keep working? And if so, what do we, how do we make this work for you? Right. It wasn't, uh, oh no, no, you've now confined this and that it's, you know, I believe in continuing to learn and like move forward, moving forward and growing. And yeah, we'll support you however we can. And that's the, I think that's the biggest thing about startups and small companies is you're really a human and I personally love wearing suits and all that stuff. Um, so like being in casual clothes has been a bit of a, a rough one for me and I'd probably be unpopular opinion on that one. No, no, like but, one of my friends like she had, like she's like she, um she said before she'd had midterms, she'd always wear like like formal wear to feel like I like, more confident and stuff like that. And so like definitely for her, like it though there's definitely nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying like there's some days where you know, I think people just kind of roll out of bed and just like <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, the commute and the uh, like I think it's I definitely like kind of there's definitely a generational kind of rejection of like the I think the rat race and I think if some people will come out and like you know whether you know it be even like the political I mean like not to get political but like people like there's definitely like a faction of people you know people like you know like um 
you know, campaigning for like even like worker cooperatives and stuff like that, like really like 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 equitable and like the way that like you know the employee feels to um, the person like the boss there, you know, but whether it be like how people want to like organize themselves and like the economic sense. And I definitely think that you can definitely do that, but it's it tends to be like in these startup environments where you see that kind of equitable kind of you know that caring from like the top down, caring about Absolutely. you know. Um, but yeah, that, that was kind of side point. But yeah, no, I guess it, see... it, it, you're totally right. Like it, you, there's this caring and like you know when I at Volta, you, you're it's a collaborative working environment. Like you see different companies, you see different people. You know, it's not oh, it's a, the rat race doesn't it isn't really there in terms of it's like everyone isn't out for themselves, and that's what I like about startups. Everyone's willing to help each other. Yeah. And you've got a community, even if you're not necessarily part of the same company. Yeah, for sure. And I guess just, um, so you started your MBA, I guess just kind of talk about how, um, you know, what your kind of aspirations are. Is, is you starting that in September or is that, or you already start that? I guess it's kind of the timeline for that. I wish I was starting in September. Um, okay. I start, <laughs> orientation is on the 14th of June. Oh, okay. At, classes i started on the 21st of june so like, oh, okay never mind a little more a little, little more <laughs> proximal um yeah i said bye-bye summer they opened patios and i was like you know what it's okay i'm gonna be in class so i don't feel bad about missing all this oh don't worry i'm still i feel you i've been doing two classes one's like accelerated one's like spaced a little bit more so it's like one's like not quite like like if you do like the class where it's like three weeks they just like shove it down your throat it's like you feel like you're doing five classes at once but at the speed of one class this one's like spread a little bit more but not quite so that plus another actual spread out class feels just like four but it's i still feel feel like you know enough work cut out but yeah i definitely want to take some time to enjoy the nice weather because it's it's been you know beautiful last couple days um well, actually, just one day. It was like dreary for like three days before that. But um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I was gonna say. So yeah. So with your MBA and stuff like that, kind of, where do you kind of see yourself going forward with that in terms of you know what would you like to do? Would you like to stay at the current company you're at? Would you like once you're done your MBA? Would you like to kind of because you mentioned you like consulting and stuff like that. And would you say when you're done your MBA, is it the kind of like the goal to kind of take that consulting and kind of do your own? Start? Yeah. No. Totally. Um, I kind of spelled it yeah. out. I asked the question, then spelled the answer. <laughs> That's okay. You know, it, it's nice. Um, no. So um, the reason I even decided to apply for an MBA was because I realized I liked um, being in startups and helping them grow and scale and like developing those, you know, international relationships, domestic ones. And I specifically want to do that within like life sciences and health tech because to me, you know, I'm, my my perspective in life is to help people, do no harm, right? Um, and I'm not going to be going to med school, and I'm perfectly fine with that, to be totally honest. Um, you know, I, I wish you the best of luck in your in your pursuit of med school. Um, I just realized it wasn't for me, but I realized that I still want to help people, and yeah. I realized that private healthcare and health technologies is something we can do, and it's a growing industry in Canada, and my MBA, <clears throat> with my MBA, I I plan to, you know, get the formal education, keep working in the startup world, keep consulting, and, you know, ideally in like 10 years, have my own consulting firm that works almost exclusively with like health tech companies and 
um, life sciences companies to help them grow and thrive because that to me is like really utilizing my science education, but also it's, it's what I'm excited about. You know, like I, I love the business aspect and like bringing something to market, you know, closing a deal. It's exciting. And I realize I can do that within like the sciences space without having to be a PhD or an MD. And, and that's so, the thing, like, yeah, yeah, right. That's definitely like the biggest thing is like, I think that, you know, I think there's a great amount that can be said about, you know, academia, like, you know, being all public funding and be able to get that. But yeah, there's always so many grants. And I would say there's definitely a lot more good ideas than there are grants. And, um, and you're totally right. And, you know, another thing I want to do is really like part of my consulting thing is, and this came from working in the startup um, industry, diversity is is there, but it's not where it could be. And I, I want to do something to give back and also to, to work with like, you know, minority, person of color, uh, BIPOC, whatever. <laughs> I want to work with diverse, diverse founders to help them bring their good ideas in there. Well, well so I mean, I like, really I mean, even equity. I made me think about um, something I learned. As, uh, well, just, just the last point I'll make here and then we'll kind of just... Um, Finish this off. I reminded me of a, a class where it's the whole idea of the hidden curriculum. And it's like all these things that, you know, whether it be from your parents that you have, you know, like whether they went through the, you know, the, the ivory towers or whatnot. And, um, you know, if you have all those privileges, there's a lot of things that people just don't tell you. And I think like, especially like if you're, you know, coming from a disadvantaged background, uh, having, you know, whether it be like yourself working with those people, being able to actually kind of, you know, help them and be like, oh, these are the things you need to know. Like, if these are the things you need to take care of. Like, you you know, when you want to get this idea going, this is like the type of timeline, you need to be doing this by that. Or like, just like, I don't know, I don't know all the specifics, but just like the general, like that, that type of advice that, you know, is not really accessible to a lot of people whose parents didn't go through like these, you know, really big degrees. Like, um, and like, yeah, yeah like I even, yeah. That's the point. No, and, and you're totally right. And like, you know, I, I kind of, I took the idea of, you know, like, you know, equity and equality in healthcare, um, in terms of like how patients are treated and like the different things there. And I kind of flipped it on its head because, you know, there's talk of, you know, well, treatments are designed for these things and this, right? Let's flip it and let's, you know, bring in that variety of background of founders who have those variety of perspectives, so we can get that more uniform. Um, goal that we're talking about in health in general and also yeah. just like, like like what you're saying yeah there's some things you're not going to know unless somebody tells you or you're not going to know unless you've had that experience I am not that I'm <laughs> far be it for me to say I, I know and have all those things but my goal is to at least help level the playing field and help bring some things up with my experiences and to build my own team out that can of like experts and really just use it so I can actually help others thrive and improve healthcare within Canada, but also globally, if I dare to dream that big. Um, and just, yeah, really just try to help and make the world a bit better place. Yeah, I think that was a great, you know, a great sentiment um, to kind of, you know, send things off on, I think. That's, that's really good. Like, I think this definitely... Um, yeah, I think it's just about, you know, the representation, you know, being able to, like, we always think about when, when it comes to, like, addressing health, like, you know, like, um, disparities in healthcare, we always think of the um, disadvantaged group and the patient position, not, you know, the representation of being the person creating the cures. 
or the you know the solutions to these health issues. Do you kind of understand? Yeah. Yeah, and like sometimes that's the thing, right? You, <laughs> um, like different different diseases present differently depending on you know different like different things like different different variables and not and it's really just sometimes you need to have had that experience like it's one of those founder problems sometimes you're creating something because you've had that experience and you see that the issue and you want to f- fix it yeah and so when it's the only way like, to like some, yeah it's only way so. to like snuff out those different experiences to have the people there creating those you know solving those exactly problems. And in my opinion, everyone deserves a chance to at least get their ideas out there. And like you said, there are definitely more good ideas than there are grants. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was, that's, you know, good place to call it. Um, I, David, I want to thank you so much for coming on to the show. Uh, this was a great talk. Um, I'm sure we could probably shoot, you know, about stuff for quite a bit. But, you know, I think this is a good place to wrap it up in terms of, you know, future endeavors. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me, Kenzie. And yeah, I agree. Could definitely talk for hours. 